you have a Bible, meet me in Luke chapter 14. We're going to start in just a minute, but I want to put up a couple pictures first because as you're, as you're living life, have you, have you ever walked up to something and thought to yourself, I don't know why this is here. You ever had that experience? I'm going to help you. All right. In Minneapolis, Minnesota, there is this photo. So Jordan, put up the first, put up the first photo. That's a giant spoon with a cherry on it in the middle of the lake. Can I just be honest with you? I like art, but I don't get it. (laughs) Can I just be real with you? I have, I do not understand why that is there. I just don't. And even if you were to Google it and, and read about it, I still don't get it. I still don't get it. I like ice cream, so we'll go with that. Let me give you another one. Let me give you an even more famous one. All right, Jordan, go to the next one. How many of you know what that is? The Chicago bean, right? Did you know, though, that it's not actually called the Chicago bean? It's not. So let me, let me read to you why it's called the gate. Do you see gate here? Because I don't. <laughs> I don't see gate there. But I want to... I want to read this to you. I got to pull it up here. Um, here, this comes from the creator of the gate. Listen to this, okay? The bean's reflective surface was inspired. You ready for this? By liquid mercury. This shiny exterior reflects the people moving around the park, the lights of Michigan Avenue, and the surrounding skyline and green space perfectly encapsulating Millennium Park and the Millennium Park experience. The polished surface also invites visitors to touch the surface and observe their own reflection, giving it an interactive quality. The reflection of the sky above the park, not to mention the curved underside of the bean, serves as an entrance that visitors can walk under to enter the park. Inspired by the sculpture's creator to name the piece cloud gate yes. did you know all about all about that with the bean you didn't some of you i've seen on your instagrams have been to the bean and you touch the bean you won't get close to people in the middle of covid but you'll touch the bean can we talk about that for a second yes. that that is not actually that doesn't make any sense you know how many people touch the bean you know how many people who have covid touch the bean you shouldn't be touching the bean right but when you hear about the bean's original purpose and why it was created, it starts to make a little more sense, right? Because the creator of the bean had a vision for what that was made for. You tracking with me? An infinitely more important question than why the Chicago bean is there is why is Redeemer City Church here? Why is the church that Jesus said to Peter some 2,000 years ago, I will build my church and the gates of hell will never prevail against it. Why is the church here? But I want to even more specifically talk about Redeemer City Church. Why are we here? Why are we here in this moment, in this time, in this culture, in this place? We're not here to change the whole world. That's God's business, and he'll do that. But 
I do want to ask you to reflect on why we are here. Like right here, like Redeemer City Church. Whether you're watching online or sitting in here, if you call this place home, I want you to think about the mission of God's church. We're in a series called Jesus Loves His Church. He loves it so much that he gave his life for it, to redeem it, and to adopt every single one who would call on his name, confess him as Lord, to be in his family. But then he sent us on a mission. That once you're in, you go on mission with the family, right? There, there are things that when I, when I, I have three kids, and when, when I see my kids doing something that doesn't line up with our values as a family, I will pull, my wife and I will pull our kids in and we'll say, we'll say to them, listen, coons don't do that. You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes we don't even blame it on Jesus, right? They're not things that the Bible says. It's just things like, you're a coon. We don't do that, right? Well, we, we have our own set of family values, right? And so we will look at them and we'll expect our kids to represent our family in a certain way. Jesus has actually given us, as the church, a mission, and I want to talk about that because there, there are incredibly important aspects of your Christian life that God has called you to be a part of, that if we don't commit to that, we're not following Jesus. Does that make sense? That there are actually things that God has offered to you that if you're not experiencing them, it's not because he's moved away. Right? It's because we are, what's the old hymn say? We're prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Anybody grow up in church, you know what I'm talking about? So, the scripture says it this way. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Right? And so, before we dive in again, I also want to encourage you to reflect on your own life. Because... No doubt, every one of us is coming into this place in a different place. But I believe God has something to say to us because the mission that he's given us here at Redeemer City Church is this, to share the liberating power of the gospel. Because the thing that levels the playing field in this culture all around the world is that we are all in need of a Savior. Every single one of us. And that's going to manifest itself in different ways. But at the end of the day, at the foot of the cross, we're all equal. And so we have gathered as Redeemer City Church around the mission that Jesus first gave us in Luke chapter 4. This was the mission that Jesus, when he stepped foot on earth, and he became a man and walked on the earth and was pointed toward the cross where he would make it possible for us to be right with God. He was the one who said, the spirit of the Lord is on me to proclaim good news to the poor, the broken, the lame. 
And what we know is that we're all that person. And so with that in mind, uh, maybe that feels a little overwhelming to you, like it does me. Like how does, how does a, a little old church change a city? Like how does, how does it even happen? I want, I want you to look at a couple of scriptures before we get to Luke 14 that are going to encourage you in that. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. Paul was writing this. He said, I don't consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, right? Let's, we've all said that. Listen, I don't know a lot, but I do know this one thing. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. If there was a appropriate call to the church in this moment, it would be that. That there's a lot that now lies behind us. But what can happen to us is we can get stuck reminiscing in the past, not moving forward into what God's called us to do. And so here we are. It says, I press toward the goal. For the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You go a chapter later. Philippians chapter 4. Here's what he says. Not that I'm speaking of being in need. For I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Word number two for our culture in this moment. Right? It felt like May, June we were exiting pandemic world stage right. And we've taken five steps backward. Right? And so you, you can feel like you're getting stuck, but I want to encourage you that in this season to be content and to look for what God is calling you to do, how you can participate in bringing his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. We are actually, as a church body, on mission. The mission didn't stop because you have to wear a mask. The mission didn't stop because you have to decide to get a vaccine or not. The mission didn't stop when we had an election last year or a year and a half ago. I can't even keep it straight anymore. But bottom line is the mission of God's church is not affected by the affairs of this world. We can step into the affairs of this world and bring hope and life and peace and joy and love. Expecting nothing in return because of what Jesus has done for us. That's the difference. And so he goes on here and he says, I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. Whatever my circumstances are, I know how to handle that. In, listen to this. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret. You ever feel like you need a secret to make it in life? So did Paul. I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need, I can do, and then here's the verse you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. There was a context to that verse on your coffee mug, (laughs) right? And so what is the mission of the church then? If if I'm going to come before the Lord and before his people, And I'm going to be content in the circumstances that I find myself. And I'm going to participate with God in bringing his kingdom on earth as in heaven. What is that? What does that look like? Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says this. But you will receive power. It it doesn't say but you might 
receive power. We often live our lives as though we might or maybe somebody else will receive the Holy Spirit's power. But that's not actually what the scripture says, is it? Jesus, right before he was, so he died, he went to the cross, then he was buried. Three days later, he rose on that first Easter, and then he's lived for a little bit longer, and he's standing on a mountain, he's about to fly away. (laughs) Put yourself in the disciples' shoes. He's about to ascend back into heaven. And he looks at his disciples. We talk about last words all the time. People's last words are usually important words, right? Here's what Jesus looked at his disciples and said, and he sang it to us right before he would ascend back into heaven. Here's what he says. And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. For what? You're not just receiving power from God's Holy Spirit for no apparent reason, right? What does it say? It says, and you will be, not potentially could be, you will receive power and you will, church, be my witness. So by implication, what does it mean if I'm not being his witness? I'm not right in the center of where he's called me to be. I'm prone to wander, right? Now listen, th- this, is, this is not all bad news either, right? Because here's the reality. Like, that starts to feel overwhelming. That starts to feel like everything rides on my shoulders. That starts to feel like I got to muster up some courage here to be a witness for God. But that's not what it says. What does it say? It says, you're going to be his witness. Why? Because the Holy Spirit will come on you with power. And the Greek word for power there means dynamite. Can anybody use some dynamite power of God in your life this week? Yeah, like I I need a different trajectory to be his witness. Because if you look back over the last year and a half of your life, Maybe you're doing better than me, but my, my, my past year and a half don't feel like dynamite power of God being his witness, right? But I'm here to tell you as the church that that is an option for you. But you can't manufacture that. That has to be something that the Spirit of God does in you. And I want to encourage you today before we are done to ask him for it, to surrender to it. And see if he might just show up in your life. Because, let me take you to one more place before we get to Luke 14. Galatians 6, 9 says this. And this is important for you coming out of this last year and a half to really wrap your mind around. It says this. And let us not grow weary of doing good. Let us not grow weary of doing good. If we're going to be honest with each other over the last little while, I think all of us would say at different times, and maybe you're saying it right now, whether you're online or you're in the room or whatever's going on in your life, Pastor, I'm weary. I'm just kind of over it. 
I'm weary, and, and I, I want to encourage you with this next piece of Galatians 6, 9, because it says, if you will not grow weary, you're in due season. What does it say? We're back to the same phrase that Jesus used. If you don't give up, you what? Will reap in due season. There are promises that God is making to you in the course of Scripture. Notice he doesn't say it'll be easy. Notice he doesn't say a pandemic won't come. Notice he doesn't say that life will not get difficult or there won't be loss or there won't be all the things that you and I deal with. But it does say that you will receive power from the Holy Spirit. You will be his witness. And if you don't, and you don't have to grow weary. And if you don't give up, you will reap a harvest in season. Those are actual promises in God's word written by God for you and I as the church right now. But I'm convinced that many of us don't live in that reality. And it's not all just hype because I read you those things because I need you to feel the weight of what God's called you to do. Because every single one of you, when you walk out of here and into tomorrow, you have a sphere of influence, a circle of influence around people, whether it be your friends, your family, your coworkers, that God is going to use you to be a light. And so what I'm, what I'm encouraging you to do is to re-engage with the mission that God's given you. So Luke 14, Luke 14, Jesus starts to crack the window of his heart. Jesus is going to open the window for us to look into his heart, and he's going to challenge you and I with a few things, but you're also going to see his heart for people in the midst of a religious setting, because that's what's happening in Luke 14. Jesus is talking to some religious guys, some religious leaders. And he's going to share with them what it looks like for the church that he loves and at this point was going to give his life for, to be on mission for him in the earth. Does that make sense? So here we go. Look at Luke chapter 14. Let's just do the first couple of verses here, 12 through 14. So this is Jesus speaking. Jesus has been invited to a banquet. He's been invited to a party and he's at this party and he gets up to do a little teaching. Now, how many of you know if Jesus was at your party and he got to do a little teaching, you would listen and you wouldn't have much to say, right? Because he's Jesus. But here we are. He also said to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, a party, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors. Come on, somebody. We all like to invite our rich neighbors to the party. Everybody needs a rich friend. All right? That was a joke. You're like, can he say that? <laughs> Lest they also invite you in return and be repaid. Right? This is one of the principles that Jesus has been teaching his people. That the way up is down. The way to the top is to serve. The, the, the whole concept of the kingdom of God is counterintuitive. Verse 13, but when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed 
because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Pretty important thing here, because how many of you know that you'd rather be repaid by the God of the universe than by the things of this world, right? We know that in theory, but we enjoy the things of this world, don't we? Can you be honest with me in church today? Like, we like some of the things of the world. I do. There's a lot, like, I've told you about my, my uh, muscle car dreams, right? I've confessed my sins before you before, right? I don't need that. I feel like I need that. <laughs> I watched a video the other day. He's like, guys, like, who needs 700 horsepower? We all do, right? Like, <laughs> I do, right? Like, <laughs> so, like, we do, like, we, we do like the things of this world. But are they really what we've been called to? The first thing that you see here is that Jesus doesn't say you need to throw a feast or a party or a banquet, right? That's not what he says. He says when. And so the first thing I want you to write down if you're taking notes is this, that when it comes to the kingdom, you and I are made for community. We're actually made for it. Like, even, even in this setting, Jesus is in the midst of a party that he's been invited to, and he's going to instruct them how to do party properly in the kingdom of God. Right? Because what happens at the end of all of this, when Jesus comes back, sets up his kingdom, and we have the marriage supper of the Lamb, you and I will be there, which means what? The poor, the lame, the crippled, spiritually, are going to be present at that banquet. And so Jesus is saying, in this world, we have to care a little bit less about the things of this world and a little bit more about the people in this world. Am I making sense? Okay, so when it comes to the kingdom, we're made for community. Why is that so hard, right? The joke is like churches split over the color of the carpet, right? Like, why is it so hard for us to do this? If we're made for community, why is it so hard to get in community? Because you have a sin nature. (laughs) I have a sin nature. We're still broken, which is just another reason that you need to be in community. This is a shameless plug for you to get in a city group today. Can I get an amen in church today? I'm listening to you online. I want to see it in the chat. I'm going to see some amens for Pastor Jerome in the chat. (laughs) Listen, you need people in your life who know you. You cannot live this life and not have somebody know who you really are. You will die on the vine. You need people in your life, but we are struggling as an American church, not just Redeemer City Church, but in this culture that we find ourselves
guy at the party. You know who I'm talking about. He's loud. He might have had a little too much to drink. He's kind of annoying. He's kind of a know-it-all. If you're like, I don't know that guy, you are that guy, right? (laughs) That was not nice. I'm sorry. Verse 15. Let's just go back to the Bible. Verse 15. When one of those who reclined at the table... Now, again, this was Jesus talking. He just gave a great teaching on what it looks like to host a proper party in the kingdom of God. He's doing... He's... He's changing our perspective on how we interact with people. Okay? But there's always that religious guy. There is this one in the story, but if we're honest, you and I have that religious guy who's willing to speak up in our heart and say the right thing, but never do the right thing. Okay? Look, look at what's happening here. You just put yourself at the party. Right? Jesus just gave a beautiful teaching. Everybody's kind of listening like, yeah, I mean, he is God. That was really good. And here it is. When one of those who reclined at table with him heard these things, he said to him, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. (laughs) Duh. He just said that, right? He just said how you would be blessed. And so this guy speaks up and says, yeah, blessed is everyone in the kingdom of God. Like, Every one of us who's called Jesus Lord for any length of time has that religious voice inside of us that wants to give the right answer and never live out the right answer. And you and I got to be honest about that because otherwise we'll never look with Jesus, vision out, we talk about it all the time, we'll never look with Jesus at people, we'll just look for Jesus at people and there's a huge difference. Okay, so... So we're made for community, but then this, then this story goes on, and this is where it gets pretty real for you and I, and it's still funny. <laughs> it's still funny. But li- listen, let me, let me, before I read it, give you number two if you're taking notes. Number two is this. When it comes to the kingdom, you and I are prone to make a lot of what? Excuses. We're prone to make a lot of excuses. Look at where Jesus goes in the story after this guy gives him the right answer, the religious answer. Here's where Jesus takes the story. And he's talking to a religious guy who just gave the right answer. All right, and here we go. So we're in verse 16 of Luke chapter 14. But Jesus said to him, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. The invitation goes out. Time to come. And there's a lot of history behind why that was that way, but you can uh, look that up in your own time as to why they did it that way. But verse 18, but they all alike, what does it say? Began to make excuses. They began to make excuses. The first said to him, I've bought a field. And I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. You tell me you bought a field and you didn't look at it before you bought the field? You all of a sudden have to look at the field you bought when it's party time? That's an excuse, right? That's a circumstantial excuse. You ever, you ever been in, I shouldn't go here, but I'm going to. You ever been invited to go hang out with somebody and you're like, man, I got a, honey, do we have something going on? <laughs> um, I think we're busy, right? We're busy, right? Like, We've all been there, right? Here it is. 
But this is being equated to the kingdom of God, right? If you're too busy for the kingdom of God, you're too busy. Does that make sense? We're prone to make a lot of excuses. It gets worse. (laughs) It gets worse, verse 19. And another said, I bought five yoke of oxen. And I need to go and examine them. Last time I checked, an ox is an ox. An oxen are multiple oxen. Oxes. You're telling me you bought oxen and you hadn't seen the oxen. Right? Excuses. And I think Jesus is intentionally making these outlandish. Because that's how you and I are. Do we really have a good excuse to keep the greatest thing that's ever happened in the history of the world to ourselves? Moving on. This is the worst one yet. (laughs) You ready for this? Verse 20. And another said, and we have a newly married couple in here. Another one. And another said, I've I've married a wife and therefore I cannot come. Come on, man. How are you going to blame it on your wife? You know, bro, I got I got married and now I've I've got a wife now. We are not going to make it. How are you going to blame it on your wife? That's ridiculous, right? So all of these things, we're made for community. We're made to be a witness. And yet you and I are so prone to make whatever excuse we can find in our own mind and heart and sometimes out loud to not be a part of what God's doing and bringing his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Now, sometimes it's more noble than the ones we just read. (laughs) Sometimes life does happen, and things do happen, and things do come up. But listen, that's that's where Paul is calling us, you know, to forget the things that lie behind us and press toward the goal of the prize of the high calling of God. So it, it takes vision for us to stay moving forward toward what God has called us to. But we are prone to make a ton of excuses. And frankly, it's upsetting to Jesus. Look at what verse 21 says. See, this is where Jesus is not just fluffy Jesus, right? Like, like he's also honest with us. Look at what verse 21 says. So the servant came and reported these things to the master, and then the master of the house became angry. Notice Jesus is not angry with the people outside the gate needing to get into the party. He's upset with those of us who are in the party who won't do our role in the party. Make sense? He's offering his Holy Spirit with dynamite power to be his witness, and so many times we settle for far less than what God's doing. And what he's offering. Verse 21. The master of the house became angry and said to his servants, go out, servants, go out quickly to the streets and lanes. This is where I said you can start to see the heart of God for people. Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor, crippled, blind, and lame. And the servant said, sir, what you commanded has been done and still there is room. So what does Jesus say? And here is Jesus' heart for his house, right? Peter said that God is building a spiritual house, his people together, you and I, Redeemer City Church, together on mission in this world. It's a spiritual house that God's building. And here's what the heart of God is for the people who are not yet in this house. 
who are not yet invited to this banquet. Here's what he says. Verse 23, And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges. And what's it say? Compel people to come in. Compel people to come in. Why? So that my house will be full. So that my house will be full. Every single person who calls Jesus Lord has people in our life that need to be in the house. What are we doing about it? Nothing. We need the Holy Spirit to do it in us. So that Because here's the best way to think about it, and this is what I think James tells us, that when grace goes in, it always flows out. So no matter where you're at today, maybe you're not a Christian. Can I just invite you to surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and allow His grace to come into your life and change you? So that you can then look with him at the people in this world, in this city, who so desperately need hope and help and healing. Because number three, it's right there in the text if you're taking notes, when it comes to the kingdom, Jesus wants a full house. The scripture says things like, God is not willing that anyone should perish, but that all should come to eternal life. The verse you know so well, whether you've been in church your whole life or whether you've never come to church and today's your first day. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. But how many of you know verse 17 comes right after it? We like to skip verse 17 because it doesn't fit our political narrative most of the time, right? Verse 17 says, For God did not come into the world to what? condemn the world but that the world might be saved through him we have a different mission in the kingdom of god in the kingdom of god jesus wants a full house and look what it says it says go go quickly and compel people those are the three things that are being encouraged to us go go fast go now and compel people. Listen, some of us today, we need to, in a fresh way, get re-engaged with the mission of God in our city. It's time for us to forget the things that have lied behind and move forward into the calling that God's given us. Now's the time. Jesus said, go and go quickly. Compel people to come in, right? We talk about this all the time. The reason people aren't in the church isn't because they have a science problem. is isn't because they have a history problem. They might, but there's good answers for that. It's because Jesus said in John 17 that it's by our love for one another that people would actually want to come in and be a part of this. So if people don't want to come in and be a part of this, what's the problem? Where are the problems? But this is also the best thing in the world. Isn't it? What is the kingdom of God coming on earth as it is in heaven look like? You, me, together, worshiping Jesus, opening his word. We're going to do communion here in just a second. That's what heaven looks like. 
the worship of Jesus in the throne room of heaven right now. The elders and angels in the throne room of heaven are constantly kneeling before the throne of God saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. It's just happening on repeat over and over and over. And you know what? It never gets old. It never gets old. It never gets old. You know what never gets old? Seeing you here on Sunday never gets old. Never gets old. Seeing you come to a house and enjoy the community of the saints in city group. It never gets old. It never gets old. You know what never gets old? Taking one of these little convenience communion cups, right? And going to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. You can do it right now with me. Grab one. And then peeling back this film and grabbing this wafer and holding it in your hands because the scripture says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, the cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The body that we break Is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, Jesus. We who are many are one body because we all partake of one bread. So as you hold this wafer, something supernatural happens and God comes and participates with you. Maybe you're sitting here today and you you would just say to me, Pastor, I need the I need the Holy Spirit to show up because I'm tired. I'm weary. I'm over it. Or maybe you've just been complacent for the last year and a half or maybe longer. And the the question is not what is the mission of God? It's very obvious. He wants his house to be full and he's come on you with Holy Spirit power to be his witness. But prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Man, today can be the day where we all take that step back into the narrow road that leads to life. Because Jesus Christ stepped out of the splendors of heaven and came to this earth for you, for me, for us to build this, to build his church. And so what 1 Corinthians 11 says, instructs us is that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. And I want you to take that in your hand and just look at it. And here's what it says, that on that night when he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And I want to encourage you as we do here to break that in your hands and be reminded that it was for your sin and for my sin and our wandering away For our self-righteousness, we're thinking we're good enough without him. That he went to that cross and his body was broken for you and for me. We sing that song, oh, what a savior. (laughs) He's so good. And so the scripture says that he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread together. And then it says he took the cup after supper, saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood. He's created a whole entirely different new way of life.
where his kingdom is coming on earth as it is in heaven, and he's called you and I to participate in that with him. I don't know about you, but I want to be in the places where God promises to show up, at church, in community, at the communion table, with the Lord's Supper. And so Jesus said in the same way he took the cup, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it. And we major on the word often. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So let's take this together in remembrance of Jesus today. Amen. I'm going to pray. The band's going to come up and they're going to lead us in one more song. But listen, I didn't get up here just to be funny and just to make you feel good and just to call you to build a church. No, no, no. Jesus is the one who builds his church. But what you and I need to do in this moment as we sing together is surrender in a fresh way to what God is already doing. This is not about you and I pulling off or manufacturing something. This is about us surrendering to what the Lord is already doing in our city and getting back on that narrow road that leads to life. And it's found in community. It's found in the church. It's found in his word. It's found in participating with Jesus. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? And if we can pray for you in any way, if we can serve you in any way, please let us know. But do get online and sign up for a city group. All kinds of options. There's a women's one. There's men's ones. There's digital ones. There's in-person ones. There's ones with child care. There's ones with no child care. We have something that can help you get that next step into being with the people of God, and we would love to do that with you. So let me pray, and then we'll sing together before we take off. God, thank you.